Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 7.50 The Game. One of my good friends who is a terrific writer and a good human being, Tyson Alger, left The Athletic uh, more than a year ago and embarked on his own journey. I'm familiar with this. I've done it myself. Tyson Alger started the I-5 corridor, and i got to be honest with you. When I went to go and look and say, hey, do I want to go do johnconzano.com, I called up Tyson Alger. I said, how's it going? Tell me what I need to know. And Tyson Alger has been killing it. He covers everything on the I-5 corridor. You can go to i5corridor.com if you want to read him. And here to talk about it, the great Tyson Alger celebrating an anniversary. Happy anniversary. Hey, thanks, thanks a lot, John. That was that was uh, more than more than I deserved. I appreciate that, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I uh, I am curious to know what you've learned in the last year. Curious to know about that first maybe event that you covered versus you know what you're doing now and and how you're feeling about everything. And and you're doing a great job. And for people who don't know, if you want to know what's going on from Seattle down to Eugene and even beyond, uh, you uh, should read i5corridor.com. But Tyson, tell us about it. Yeah, you know, it was it was something that was uh, pretty darn nerve-wracking a year ago when, when I launched this thing because, I mean, as, as you experienced back in March, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things to have this idea, but then once you actually, you know, kind of pull the cord and, and you're out there on your own, it's uh, you're out there on your own. But I, I, I think the one thing that I've kind of really learned over this last year of, of being a, a business owner and, and running this thing on my own is, you know, t- take advantage when people offer help and, and um, you know, say they, they have interest or, or, or just say they, they, they want to be a part of what you're doing because I, I think a lot of us are really um, proud of what we do and maybe too proud at times. And there's there's a lot of people out there in this world and in this city that, that really want uh, want to help you succeed. And I think that's kind of been my biggest thing that I've taken away just either between, you know, the, the hundreds of subscribers that we've been able to generate or, or the people who have been willing to take a look at stories just to proofread because we don't have editors anymore or even, you know, just someone who's been willing to uh, lend an ear to, uh, you know, listen, listen to me complain about problems. It's been, uh, it's been quite, quite the learning experience. And I'm, I'm awfully proud to be here uh, a, a year later and, and uh, talking on your show and, 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 you know, people like you and then everyone else who's, who's helped, uh, help promote this thing. I'm, I'm in, incredibly grateful for, for all the help. So, so thanks a lot, man. I think the time is right, right? I mean, you know, I think readers now, uh, they just want to read good content. And I think they're getting from a lot of the traditional news sources, they're getting, um, you know, a, uh, co- you know, a, a, a collaboration of, national news stories, links to other stories. There's very little original reporting that is going on in some of the newsrooms because of the shrinking size. And so I, and there's no other way to put it. I mean, there's just there's a lot of crap out there. And so I think people are willing to support what they know is good original reporting, and you're doing that. You're telling good stories. And so I think 
you know, the time is right for it. But when you embarked on it, was it nervous at all? Were you anxious? Were you nervous about it working? Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, like the, the 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 most unfortunate thing about the time when I left the athletic is for the first three years that I was at the athletic, I still had to explain to people what it was or that it wasn't the Atlantic or, you know, all these sorts of things. It was, you know, it's just that name recognition of saying like, hi, I'm Tyson Alger and I work for so-and-so. And, you know, when I left, left the athletic, they were getting close to the New York Times deal. Like they had established themselves and it was, it was kind of uh, really... Uh, anxiety-inducing, leaving that, and then just basically having everything be, uh, I mean, uh, determined off of your reputation and the relationships that you've developed. And so, you know, I, I wrote about this in my my one-year review column, but, like, even just simple things like getting credentialed. Like, when I got credentialed for the Ohio State game last year, I was I was over the moon just because I was, you know, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities and how I've gone about my job for the last year, but when you're on your own, you always kind of have that little nagging feeling of, like, oh, I, I hope this works. And, uh, yeah, it, it's uh, – <laughs> thankfully, more often than not, we've, we've had the answer to that being, being yes, that it does work, than, than no the last the last year. Give me an idea, you know, I think the first game you were credentialed for as the I-5 corridor was the Ohio State-Oregon game. Is that right? That, so I, I went to the first Oregon home game, but, like, the Ohio State one was, like, the first one that I had been credentialed for that wasn't just, like, the Oregon SIDs that I knew <laughs> uh, credentialing me. That was, that was like, the first, like, it, it felt like I made it moment, definitely for the company. Give me an idea of, you know, were you nervous that you would be recognized? Like, you know, Taiwan's always nervous that the United Nations is not going to recognize them as a country and you know, the People's <laughs> Republic of China. And I kind of wondered, I wondered myself, as johnconzano.com, would the Oregon Ducks, would Oregon State, uh, would they recognize me? Would they give me a credential? And, and I found that, uh, as johnconzano.com, that, you know, everybody just went, okay, yeah, it's just, we'll change your affiliation. And, and everybody, you know, I'm, I'm headed to Georgia as you are to cover Oregon and, and Georgia. Yeah, I, I think the, the most nerve-wracking moment I actually had, it was in the post-game press conference at the Ohio State game. And it was, the, and it was one of those situations where you had to raise your hand to get the microphone and they, they told you to introduce yourself and your affiliation before you ask your question. And that was the first time that I had really said, I think I five corridor publicly in, in that sort of setting. And, you know, there was obviously some eyeballs on that too, because of organs upset when, and, uh, you know, I was just waiting for somebody to be like the I five, what, you know, there's, there's just kind of a lot of uh, hesitancy there, but, um, you know, the kind of going back to, you know, you being credentialed at, at Georgia and all these sorts of things, you know, I, I think we've, we've moved into an era as you were saying, where, you know, it's it's not the traditional newspaper setup anymore, but I, I think fans do still enjoy like the same type of quality writing and the kind of the relationship and attachment they get to writers. And so it's kind of, it's almost similar to uh, the television market now and that it's all a cart, you know, people go out and, and seek the, the news and, and the writers and kind of the type of storytelling uh, that they want to see. And, and, you know, fortunately, I think you and I are both seeing that there, there definitely still is a demand for, for people who just want to tell, tell good quality reported stories uh, in, in the Pacific Northwest here. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor is with us. Let's talk about the teams. Dan Lanning today told reporters that he will not uh, issue a depth chart <laughs> with any teeth to it. Jonathan Smith's doing the same thing, but it's not as loud because I think there's less attention on him. 
Um, there's going to be a lot of it's this guy or that guy. It's Tyson Alger or it's Peter Sampson at right tackle. Like, we're not going to tell people. Dan Lanning said there's no advantage to it. I've always believed that, but it's interesting to hear a coach say it. Yeah, it's it's, it's always one of those kind of funny things because, you know, I, I, I truly do believe that if a coach is paranoid about, you know, something that appears in the high five corridor giving Georgia an edge, they give me way too much credit for what I know about football. Um, but again, you know, we, we are in a time where if they don't have to give up the information, if they do think it gives them an edge, like, sure, why not? Like, fortunately that, you know, those aren't necessarily the stories that I'm super interested in anymore these days. Like, you know, you'll show up on Saturday and somebody's going to be playing quarterback and, and we'll write about that afterwards. But it, it has been fascinating to watch Lanning kind of balance that. Cause I know he wants to be like that. You know, he's in his first year as a coach. He wants to win over the fan base. He, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, things that he has to do to kind of generate that positive PR. But, you know, the the press conferences and, and the way that he goes about handling his team, like he's doing that exactly how he wants, and he's not making any concessions towards the media or anything. Tyson, how good is Dan Lanning going to be in this first year? I think he's going to be pretty good, John. Like I, I like I'm not I'm not coming on here and predicting that they're going to beat Georgia in this game, but I think they're going to be pretty darn competitive. Uh, I really like the energy around this team. I just think kind of a clouds lifted from last year, and and when you kind of look at the nuts and bolts of that, like this this was a team last year that for three quarters of the season was being considered a, a playoff team. I mean that Ohio State game happened, and that game happened without Kayvon Thibodeau. Like there's a lot of talent on this roster, and I think if you're able to channel it in the right direction and and get a coach in there who who can coach, um, I, I think uh, I think a Pac-12 Pac-12 title appearance at, at very least is is within the grasp of this team, if if not more, because I, I do think that if they if they do hit something with the quarterback here. And, and, and it's either Bo Nix or Ty Thompson, and, and something works. I, I think this team has a really high ceiling that they can play into. I'm going to push back here a little bit. Bo Nix or Ty Thompson? Is there any way Bo Nix doesn't start the opener? I don't think so. <laughs> like, you know, I, I still I still come back to the top process of, you know, you don't bring in a quarterback who already has a relationship with your offensive coordinator, who has that much experience, who who is frankly risking – a lot by by upending his career. I just I don't think you bring that guy in if he's not the guy week one. You know I, I think that it it keeps things kind of mysterious here going into Saturday. But yeah, I I 100% expect it to be Bo Nix. And you know if if for for some crazy reason it's not Bo Nix, it means Ty Thompson's at least at that baseline. You would hope so. Um, yeah, I, I won't be I won't be shocked to see Bo playing on Saturday. Any concerns about the offense in general? I, I talked to Dan Lanning on Sunday, and just for a few minutes on the phone, and he seemed concerned about the offensive performance in the scrimmage. And you know, he's a defensive-minded guy, but I can tell that his anxiety may be on the offensive side of the ball right now. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think this is the most talented receiving core Oregon's had in a really long time. But none of these guys have ever had to catch a ball when it meant something. You know, they, the, the Ducks are finally moving out of like the Johnny Johnson, Jalen Red era. You're, you're going to see guys like Dante Thornton and Troy Franklin become, you know, guys whose whose names used to be really big in recruiting circles, and, and now they're going to have to be really big in Pac-12 play and. You know, while while you do have, I think I believe five scholarship running backs at this point. You know, replacing Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell, that was proven production the Ducks have had. 
And, you know, this this is a veteran offensive line, but it also wasn't like the yeah, offensive line they were talking about as one of the best in the conference last year. So there's there's still a lot of room that that they need for guys to improve upon and to get better. And so I, I do definitely think, especially with some of the bodies they have on defense, that offense probably is more of a question. But, you know, when you have Noah Sewell and, and Justin Flo in the front seven on the other side, like I, I think the offense would be the question. <laughs> Yeah, and I think too, you know, let's talk about those guys, Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. How good can they be? I, I think they can be a program-changing type of pair. You know, I, I Oregon has had some freak freak athletes on its defense over the years. Kiko Alonso. Um, I'm not going to run through all the names here, but it doesn't feel like they've ever had like two of those guys at the same time. And, you know, for as much as people have talked up Noah Sewell this uh, preseason, you know, I think he's a first team preseason all American guy. He's more than likely going to be a first team all pac 12 guy. Like Justin Flo is as talented or more talented than him. We just haven't seen him put it t- together yet due to injury. I mean, this dude had 14 tackles in the one game he's played in his career. Um, I think if you can combine those guys and have a completely healthy season, that's just a look, a front seven look that I don't think I've ever really seen from the Ducks before. And then you mix in the fact that Brandon Dorless is a pretty beefy dude at defensive end. And even in the secondary, Christian Gonzalez, the Colorado transfer, like that's a big physical guy. Like I, I think this could be a really physical defense that really kind of plays into the pedigree that Lanning established while he was at Georgia. Yeah, I, I think this Georgia game is interesting. I want to talk more about it. Can you hold over for one more segment? Because I want to ask you what you think is going to happen in the opening week. And then I want to ask you about Oregon State. I'm hearing some good things about their defense. Tyson, you got time for one more? Yeah, let's do it. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor, is going to stay here. We have more on the Ducks and the Beavers. Leave it here. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Tyson Alger of the I-5 Corridor has been kind enough to hold through the commercial break. Thank you, Tyson. Probably yeah, want to make that probably made you want to buy a bunch of products, but uh, I appreciate you doing it and sticking around. Uh, let me ask you. Um, let's talk about the opener for Oregon and. Uh, they go to Georgia to play against Georgia. Dan Lanning, former team. What's going to happen? I think that Oregon is going to look pretty competent in this game. I think they're going to be aggressive against a defense that's going to have a lot of new starters, even though those starters are very talented. And I think ultimately the Ducks are going to lose by about 10 points. You know, I, I think that we're looking at like a 27-17 type of game. Um, you know, it's... Georgia Georgia basically put out a half an entire first round with that defense that they graduated. But, you know, if you go back and look at the last four or five years of 247 recruiting rankings, you know, for as good as Oregon's been the last four years, like program changing good Oregon's been the last few years, Georgia's been better at every step along the way. So, you know, as as, as talented as this Oregon team is, it's, it's going to be awfully hard for them to just even out physical Georgia in this game, especially in, you know, it's technically a neutral neutral turf, but that's that's definitely in, in Georgia country. So I, I think we'll I think we'll come away from that game feeling impressed about Oregon. I think we're going to look at them and say like this was a well coached game, but I just I just don't think Oregon has the gas to, to run with the Bulldogs here. Go back to that last point, well coached game. Tell me what you need to see from Dan Lanning that makes you hopeful like Oregon could win nine or ten games. 
I, I just want a coach who doesn't look like he's coaching his first game there. You know, that, that was the big concern about Lanning coming in is not only the fact that, you know, he's not from around here, but his, his only head coaching experience, as he said, is I think was an intramural, uh, intramural football back in, back in high school. You know, he's, he's renowned as an incredible football defensive mind. He's incredibly well organized. He's always been planning for this moment. Um, there's a lot of coaches that have planned for that first game, and then they get out there, and it, it's it's deer in the headlights. And I, I just don't get the sense that that's Dan Lanning. You know, he's for as young as he is, 35, 36. He's 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 very well. Um, he just presents himself really well, and and I think that what we're going to see from this football team is is a football team that that knows its calls, knows its signals, it communicates well, and and they get out and they play aggressive football, like Lanning said back in December when he was when he was hired. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor with us. Let's shift to the Beavers. I'm hearing a lot from people who have been at practices say who are telling me uh, that the Beavers look really good on defense. Is it possible this could be their best defensive team in some time? Isn't it crazy that both the Ducks and Beavers this year could have successful seasons that are propelled by their defenses? Like I, I can't think of, of the last time Oregon State even had a defense worth mentioning, and that's just a credit to, to what Jonathan Smith has done in his four or five years as head coach of Oregon State. You know, They really rebuilt that program. They didn't rush things, and, and now they do have a, a defense that has gained experience. I believe they have like all, top, all seven of their defensive backs in terms of playing time coming back from last season. Uh, they, they have Omar Spites coming back at linebacker. Like, they have guys that you can actually name and say, like, these guys have played legitimate college football. They have experience. Uh, they're not going to be green out there. And, and I think just that combined with the fact that Smith always has a good offense. You know, we're, we're going to need to see Chance Nolan take, take another step this year. But uh, I, I like Oregon State to repeat for a bowl game. I, I, like, I like them as a a dark horse contender to, to contend for the Pac-12 title game appearance. I, I, I think things are, I think we're beyond the point in Corvallis where you have to wonder whether or not, you know, this is going to be a year worth paying attention to or not. Like, I, I think the rebuild is over and now it's just, okay, let's see, let's see how high they can build the ceiling. Tyson, you know, they, they lack a big play receiver. And I think that yeah. will ultimately it hurts Chance Nolan. I think it makes Chance Nolan look limited when he doesn't have a guy that can get down the field, take the top off the defense. If they're playing in that mid-range game where they're they're hitting tight ends and short routes with wide receivers, I think it it puts the defense in a position where it can really do some things that that limit Chance Nolan. Uh, do they have a guy? Is it Anthony Gold? Is it someone else who can, you know, get down the field and hurt teams that want to? come up with safeties and try to take away those intermediate routes. Yeah, you know, I I, I want to see what Luke Musgrave does this year at, at tight end. I know he's not necessarily exactly what you're talking about in terms of like the go downfield guy, but boy, just seeing him around practice, he's he's one of the more physical guys that I've seen and you know, it's uh, whether you know, the Oregon State can rely on like Trayshawn Harrison or Tyshawn Lindsay or, or Gould to kind of make that next step up. I, I think it's I think it's both on them and the quarterback. You know, that was something that Smith talked a lot about in, in spring ball was just how they needed to, to be more effective in the passing game and creating those explosive plays. And, you know, that's that's kind of uh, the, the magic term that you hear all across college football right now is explosive plays. I mean, heck, we've heard Kenny Dillingham talk about that just about every every time he's talked at, down in Eugene. So 
Um, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see with Oregon State. The the tough thing with them is, you know, they're they're never going to be the program that all of a sudden is unveiling that new five star talent that they, they picked up in the off season. You know, it's it's they have to build it with three, mainly three stars, occasionally a four star. And whereas you look in Eugene and boy, that wide receiver room the Ducks have is all all four stars. I, I think every single guy in the two deep is a, a blue chip, and that just kind of really highlights the difference between. Uh, just the talent discrepancies between uh, Eugene and Corvallis right now. Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor, celebrating his one-year anniversary of his launch of his independent endeavor, covering everything on the I-5 Corridor. You uh, you are now many, many events into being credentialed, and uh, you are now covering this Georgia-Oregon game, I think, with multiple reporters, are you not? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Shane, Shane Hoffman, who has been contributing uh, throughout the year to the corridor, he's uh, he's going to be down there, and uh, we'll have we'll have two bylines coming from Georgia, which I'm excited about. I, I am excited to read this stuff. All right, give tell people how they can find you and what it means to you when you see them support. Yeah, it's 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 so awesome. I mean, it, if you want to read my work, it's at i dash five corridor dot com, and you know, it was the coolest thing um, on on Tuesday when when I had the one year anniversary of the site, and just to see the amount of people who renewed their one year subscriptions, um, that was something that I was really worried about, um, especially going into the second year, and uh, I was I was blown away by the support and. You know, just every single one of those subscriptions that come in uh, allows me to keep keep writing these stories and, and to give me the ability to uh, try try to look at things from a little bit of a different angle than the, the traditional day to day media. So, uh, much 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 appreciation to, to everyone that's that's read and subscribed or, or had me on the radio show. And uh, uh, you know, if anyone's listening uh, to tonight from six p.m. on at, at Lombard House in North Portland, we're just going to be be hanging out and and talking about the football season. So feel free to stop by and say hello, and uh, we can talk football or, or whatever you want. So, Tyson Alger, I-5 Corridor. Thank you, and congratulations. Hey, thanks a lot, John. There he is. Good stuff. Support him. Look, give him, a, give him an opportunity to win you over. Read him. You know, it's like I've been telling people, you know, when I launched johnconzano.com, I said, listen, free subscriptions, paid subscriptions, do what works for you. Uh, Tyson Alger has... Some free content on i5corridor.com. He has some paid content on i5corridor.com. But by and large, you are supporting uh, journalism and you're supporting uh, independent thinking and you're supporting somebody who is uh, trying to cover the things you care about. So give it an opportunity and give it some of your attention. Coming up in the uh, 4 o'clock hour, hour number two of the show, Nick Daschle of the Oregonian will be joining us to talk about Oregon State specifically. I got to tell you, I have been hearing a lot of chatter from people that I trust who have watched Oregon State scrimmage or practice. Now, they let some coaches in there. They let them watch them practice. I have one longtime veteran coach who has appeared many times on this show, not naming his name, who yesterday texted me and said, hey, I went to Oregon State practice. They are big. They are faster. Defensively, they look good. But do they have a wide receiver that can hurt defenses? That's a question. Now, Anthony Gold's going to be that guy that Oregon State will hold up because he can fly. But he's not Brandon Cooks. You know, he's not even a Mike Hass down the field. Can Jonathan Smith find a receiver that will p- punish defenses for creeping up and taking away those intermediate routes that Luke Musgraves and others um, feast on? So I think that's the key. And I think last year at times... 
it made Oregon State look uh, station to station, so to speak. I think it hurt Chance Nolan when he needed to come up with a big play, and all of a sudden he looked down the field, and you know both those safeties are creeping up, you know, 10, 12 yards deep from the line of scrimmage, and not at all worried about getting beat deep. What, what's the number one rule? They they tell even you know youth football safeties and corners, don't get beat deep. Well, if you don't have a guy that can fly and stretch defenses, I think you are in trouble in college football. The name of the game is take the top off the defense and make it make everything underneath easy. Oregon State faces that this season. Coming up, Punch It Audio plus Nick Dashiell. Leave it here. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.